The Law School of America A jury trial, or trial by jury, is a lawful proceeding in which a jury makes a decision or findings of fact. It is distinguished from a bench trial in which a judge or panel of judges makes all decisions. Jury trials are used in a significant share of serious criminal cases in many but not all common law judicial systems. The majority of common law jurisdictions in Asia, such as Singapore, Pakistan, India, and Malaysia, have abolished jury trials on the grounds that juries are susceptible to bias. Juries or lay judges have also been incorporated into the legal systems of many civil law countries for criminal cases. Only the United States makes routine use of jury trials in a wide variety of non-criminal cases. Other common law legal jurisdictions use jury trials only in a very select class of cases that make up a tiny share of the overall civil docket, like malicious prosecution and false imprisonment suits in England and Wales, but true civil jury trials are almost entirely absent elsewhere in the world. Some civil law jurisdictions, however, have arbitration panels where non-legally trained members decide cases in select subject matter areas relevant to the arbitration panel members' areas of expertise. The use of jury trials, which evolved within common law systems rather than civil law systems, has had a profound impact on the nature of American civil procedure and criminal procedure rules, even if a bench trial is actually contemplated in a particular case. In general, the availability of a jury trial if properly demanded has given rise to a system in which fact-finding is concentrated in a single trial rather than multiple hearings, and appellate review of trial court decisions is greatly limited. Jury trials are of far less importance, or of no importance, in countries that do not have a common law system. History. England and Wales. According to George Macaulay Trevelyan in A Shortened History of England, during the Viking occupation, the Scandinavians, when not on the Viking warpath, were a litigious people and loved to get together in the thing to hear legal arguments. They had no professional lawyers, but many of their farmer warriors, like Njal, the truth-teller, were learned in folk custom and in its intricate judicial procedure. A Danish town in England often had, as its main officers, twelve hereditary lawmen. The Danes introduced the habit of making committees among the free men in court, which perhaps made England favorable ground for the future growth of the jury system out of a Frankish custom later introduced by the Normans. The English king Athelred the Unready set up an early legal system through the Wantage Code of Ethelred, one provision of which stated that the twelve leading thens, minor nobles, of each wapentake, a small district, were required to swear that they would investigate crimes without a bias. These juries differed from the modern sort by being self-informing, instead of getting information through a trial, the jurors were required to investigate the case themselves. In the 12th century, Henry II took a major step in developing the jury system. Henry II set up a system to resolve land disputes using juries. A jury of 12 free men were assigned to arbitrate in these disputes. As with the Saxon system, these men were charged with uncovering the facts of the case on their own rather than listening to arguments in court. Henry II also introduced what is now known as the Grand Jury through his Assize of Clarendon. Under the Assize, a jury of free men was charged with reporting any crimes that they knew of in their hundred to a justice in air, a judge who moved between hundreds on a circuit. A criminal accused by this jury was given a trial by ordeal. The church banned participation of clergy in trial by ordeal in 1215. Without the legitimacy of religion, trial by ordeal collapsed. The juries under the Assizes began deciding guilt as well as providing accusations. The same year, trial by jury became an explicit right in one of the most influential clauses of Magna Carta. Article 39 of the Magna Carta read. 
It is translated thus by Lysander Spooner in his essay on the trial by jury. No free man shall be captured, and or imprisoned, or deceased of his freehold, and or of his liberties, or of his free customs, or be outlawed, or exiled, or in any way destroyed, nor will we proceed against him by force or proceed against him by arms, but by the lawful judgment of his peers, and or by the law of the land. Although it says and or by the law of the land, this in no manner can be interpreted as if it were enough to have a positive law, made by the king, to be able to proceed legally against a citizen. The law of the land was the consuetudinary law, based on the customs and consent of John's subjects, and since they did not have parliament in those times, this meant that neither the king nor the barons could make a law without the consent of the people. According to some sources, in the time of Edward III, by the law of the land had been substituted by due process of law, which in those times was a trial by twelve peers. In 1215, Magna Carta further secured trial by jury by stating that for a trivial offence, a free man shall be fined only in proportion to the degree of his offence, and for a serious offence correspondingly, but not so heavily as to deprive him of his livelihood. In the same way, a merchant shall be spared his merchandise, and a husbandman the implements of his husbandry, if they fall upon the mercy of a royal court. None of these fines shall be imposed except by the assessment on oath of reputable men of the neighbourhood. Earls and barons shall be fined only by their equals, and in proportion to the gravity of their offence. To any man whom we have deprived or dispossessed of lands, castles, liberties, or rights, without the lawful judgment of his equals, we will at once restore these. If we have deprived or dispossessed any Welshman of lands, liberties, or anything else in England or in Wales, without the lawful judgment of their equals, these are at once to be returned to them. A dispute on this point shall be determined in the marches by the judgment of equals. English law shall apply to holdings of land in England, Welsh law to those in Wales, and the law of the marches to those in the marches. The Welsh shall treat us and ours in the same way. During the mid-14th century, persons who had sat on the presenting jury, i.e., in modern parlance, the grand jury, were forbidden to sit on the trial jury for that crime, 1353. Medieval juries were self-informing, in that individuals were chosen as jurors because they either knew the parties and the facts, or they had the duty to discover them. This spared the government the cost of fact-finding. Over time, English juries became less self-informing and relied more on the trial itself for information on the case. Jurors remained free to investigate cases on their own until the 17th century. Magna Carta being forgotten after a succession of benevolent reigns, or, more probably, reigns limited by the jury and the barons, and only under the rule of laws that the juries and barons found acceptable, the kings, through the royal judges, began to extend their control over the jury and the kingdom. In David Hume's History of England, he tells something of the powers that the kings had accumulated in the times after Magna Carta, the prerogatives of the crown and the sources of great power with which these monarchs counted. One of the most ancient and most established instruments of power was the Court of Star Chamber, which possessed an unlimited discretionary authority of fining, imprisoning, and inflicting corporal punishment, and whose jurisdiction extended to all sorts of offenses, contempts, and disorders that lay not within reach of the common law. The members of this court consisted of the privy council and the judges, men who all of them enjoyed their offices during pleasure, and when the prince himself was present, he was the sole judge, and all the others could only interpose with their advice. There needed but this one court in any government, to put an end to all regular, legal, and exact plans of liberty. For who durst set himself in opposition to the crown and ministry, or aspire to the character of being a patron of freedom? while exposed to so arbitrary a jurisdiction? 
I question, whether any of the absolute monarchies in Europe contain, at present, so illegal and despotic a tribunal. While so many terrors hung over the people, no jury durst have acquitted a man, when the court was resolved to have him condemned. The practice also, of not confronting witnesses to the prisoner, gave the crown lawyers all imaginable advantage against him. And indeed, there scarcely occurs an instance, during all these reigns, that the sovereign, or the ministers, were ever disappointed in the issue of a prosecution. Timid juries, and judges who held their offices during pleasure, never failed to second all the views of the crown. And as the practice was anciently common of fining, imprisoning, or otherwise punishing the jurors, merely at the discretion of the court, for finding a verdict contrary to the direction of these dependent judges, it is obvious, that juries were then no manner of security to the liberty of the subject. The first paragraph of the act that abolished the Star Chamber repeats the clause on the right of a citizen to be judged by his peers. Whereas by the Great Charter many times confirmed in Parliament, it is enacted, that no freeman shall be taken or imprisoned, or deceased of his freehold or liberties, or free customs, or be outlawed or exiled or otherwise destroyed, and that the king will not pass upon him, or condemn him, but by lawful judgment of his peers, or by the law of the land, in 1672 Quakers charged with unlawful assembly, William Penn and William Meade, were found not guilty by a jury. The judge then fined the jury for contempt of court for returning a verdict contrary to their own findings of fact and removed them to prison until the fine was paid. Edward Bushell, a member of the jury, nonetheless refused to pay the fine. Bushell petitioned the Court of Common Pleas for a writ of habeas corpus. The ruling in the Bushell's case was that a jury could not be punished simply on account of the verdict it returned. Many British colonies, including the United States, adopted the English common law system in which trial by jury is an important part. Jury trials in criminal cases were a protected right in the original United States Constitution and the Fifth, Sixth, and Seventh Amendments of the U.S. Constitution extend the rights to trial by jury to include the right to jury trial for both criminal and civil matters and a grand jury for serious cases. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Role. In most common law jurisdictions, the jury is responsible for finding the facts of the case, while the judge determines the law. These peers of the accused are responsible for listening to a dispute, evaluating the evidence presented, deciding on the facts, and making a decision in accordance with the rules of law and their jury instructions. Typically, the jury only judges guilt or a verdict of not guilty, but the actual penalty is set by the judge. An interesting innovation was introduced in Russia in the judicial reform of Alexander II. Unlike in modern jury trials, jurors decided not only whether the defendant was guilty or not guilty, but they had a third choice, guilty, but not to be punished, since Alexander II believed that justice without morality was wrong. In France and some countries organized in the same fashion, the jury and several professional judges sit together to determine guilt first. Then, if guilt is determined, they decide the appropriate penalty. Some jurisdictions with jury trials allow the defendant to waive their right to a jury trial, thus leading to a bench trial. Jury trials tend to occur only when a crime is considered serious. In some jurisdictions, such as France and Brazil, jury trials are reserved, and compulsory, for the most severe crimes and are not available for civil cases. In Brazil, for example, trials by jury are applied in cases of voluntary crimes against life, such as first and second degree murder, forced abortion and instigation of suicide, even if only attempted. In others, jury trials are only available for criminal cases and very specific civil cases, malicious prosecution, civil fraud and false imprisonment. In the United States, 
jury trials are available in both civil and criminal cases. In Canada, an individual charged with an indictable offense may elect to be tried by a judge alone in a provincial court, by a judge alone in a superior court, or by a judge and jury in a superior court. Summary offenses cannot be tried by jury. In England and Wales, offenses are classified as summary, indictable, or either way, jury trials are not available for summary offenses, using instead a summary proceeding with a panel of three lay magistrates or a district judge sitting alone, unless they are tried alongside indictable or either way offenses that are themselves tried by jury, but the defendant has a right to demand trial by jury for either way offenses. The situation is similar in Scotland, whereas in Northern Ireland even summary offenses carry a right to jury trial, with some exceptions. In the United States, because jury trials tend to be high profile, the general public tends to overestimate the frequency of jury trials. Approximately 150,000 jury trials are conducted in state courts annually, and an additional 5,000 jury trials are conducted in federal courts. Two-thirds of jury trials are criminal trials, while one-third are civil and other, for example, family, municipal ordinance, traffic. Nevertheless, the vast majority of criminal cases are settled by plea bargain, which bypasses the jury trial. Some commentators contend that the guilty plea system unfairly coerces defendants into relinquishing their right to a jury trial. Others contend that there never was a golden age of jury trials, but rather that juries in the early 19th century, before the rise of plea bargaining, were unwitting and reflexive, generally wasteful of public resources and, because of the absence of trained professionals, little more than slow guilty pleas themselves, and that the guilty plea system that emerged in the latter half of the 19th century was a superior, more cost-effective method of achieving fair outcomes. Pros and Cons In countries where jury trials are common, juries are often seen as an important separation of powers. Another common assertion about the benefits of trial by jury is that it provides a means of educating citizens about government. Many also believe that a jury is likely to provide a more sympathetic hearing, or a fairer one, to a party who is not part of the government, or other establishment interest, than representatives of the state might. This last point may be disputed. For example, in highly emotional cases, such as child rape, the jury may be tempted to convict based on personal feelings rather than on conviction beyond reasonable doubt. In France, former attorney, then later Minister of Justice Robert Badinter, remarked about jury trials in France that they were like riding a ship into a storm, because they are much less predictable than bench trials. Another issue with jury trials is the potential for jurors to exhibit discrimination. Infamous cases include the Scottsboro Boys, a group of nine African-American teenagers accused of raping two white American women on a train in 1931, for which they were indicted by an all-white jury, the acquittal of two white men Roy Bryant and J.W. Milan by an all-white jury for the murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till in 1955, they admitted killing him in a magazine interview a year later, and the 1992 trial in the Rodney King case in California in which white police officers were acquitted of excessive force in the beating of King, an African-American man. The jury consisted mostly of white people, and there were no African-American jurors. The positive belief about jury trials in the UK and the US contrasts with popular belief in many other nations, in which it is considered bizarre and risky for a person's fate to be put into the hands of untrained laymen. In Japan, for instance, which used to have optional jury trials for capital or other serious crimes between 1928 and 1943, the defendant could freely choose whether to have a jury or trial by judges, and the decisions of the jury were non-binding. During the Tojo regime this was suspended, 
arguably stemming from the popular belief that any defendant who risks his fate on the opinions of untrained laymen is almost certainly guilty. One issue that has been raised is the ability of a jury to fully understand evidence. It has been said that the expectation of jury members as to the explanatory power of scientific evidence has been raised by TV police procedural and legal dramas, in what is known as the CSI effect, after the American television program. In at least one English trial the misuse or misunderstanding or misrepresentation by the prosecution of statistics has led to wrongful conviction. In various countries. United States. The availability of a trial by jury in American jurisdictions varies. Because the United States legal system separated from that of the English one at the time of the American Revolution, the types of proceedings that use juries depend on whether such cases were tried by jury under English common law at that time rather than the methods used in English courts now. For example, at the time, English courts of law tried cases of torts or private law for monetary damages using juries, but courts of equity that tried civil cases seeking an injunction or another form of non-monetary relief did not. As a result, this practice continues in American civil laws, but in modern English law, only criminal proceedings and some inquests are likely to be heard by a jury. A distinctive feature of jury trials in the United States is that verdicts in criminal cases must usually be unanimous. Every person accused of a crime punishable by incarceration for more than six months has a constitutionally protected right to a trial by jury, which arises in federal court from Article 3 of the United States Constitution, which states in part, the trial of all crimes, shall be by jury, and such trial shall be held in the state where the said crimes shall have been committed. The right was expanded with the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution, which states in part, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial, by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. Both provisions were made applicable to the states through the Fourteenth Amendment. Most states' constitutions also grant the right of trial by jury in lesser criminal matters, though most have abrogated that right in offenses punishable by fine only. The Supreme Court has ruled that if imprisonment is for six months or less, trial by jury is not required, meaning a state may choose whether or not to permit trial by jury in such cases. Under the federal rules of criminal procedure, if the defendant is entitled to a jury trial, he may waive his right to have a jury, but both the government, prosecution, and court must consent to the waiver. Several states require jury trials for all crimes, petty or not. In the cases of Prendy v. New Jersey, 2000, and Blakely v. Washington, 2004, the Supreme Court of the United States held that a criminal defendant has a right to a jury trial not only on the question of guilt or innocence, but any fact used to increase the defendant's sentence beyond the maximum otherwise allowed by statutes or sentencing guidelines. This invalidated the procedure in many states and the federal courts that allowed sentencing enhancement based on a preponderance of evidence, where enhancement could be based on the judge's findings alone. Depending upon the state, a jury must be unanimous for either a guilty or not guilty decision. A hung jury results in the defendant's release, however charges against the defendant are not dropped and can be reinstated if the state so chooses. Jurors in some states are selected through voter registration and driver's license lists. A form is sent to prospective jurors to pre-qualify them by asking the recipient to answer questions about citizenship, disabilities, ability to understand the English language, and whether they have any conditions that would excuse them from being a juror. If they are deemed qualified, a summons is issued. English common law and the United States Constitution recognize the right to a jury trial to be a fundamental civil liberty or civil right that allows the accused to choose whether to be judged by judges or a jury. 
In the United States, it is understood that juries usually weigh the evidence and testimony to determine questions of fact, while judges usually rule on questions of law, although the dissenting justices in the Supreme Court case Sparf et al. v. U.S., 1895, generally considered the pivotal case concerning the rights and powers of the jury, declared, it is our deep and settled conviction, confirmed by a re-examination of the authorities that the jury, upon the general issue of guilty or not guilty in a criminal case, have the right, as well as the power, to decide, according to their own judgment and consciences, all questions, whether of law or of fact, involved in that issue. Jury determination of questions of law, sometimes called jury nullification, cannot be overturned by a judge if doing so would violate legal protections against double jeopardy. Although a judge can throw out a guilty verdict if it was not supported by the evidence, a jurist has no authority to override a verdict that favors a defendant. It was established in Bushel's case that a judge cannot order the jury to convict, no matter how strong the evidence is. In civil cases a special verdict can be given, but in criminal cases a general verdict is rendered, because requiring a special verdict could apply pressure to the jury, and because of the jury's historic function of tempering rules of law by common sense brought to bear upon the facts of a specific case. For this reason, Justice Black and Justice Douglas indicated their disapproval of special interrogatories even in civil cases. There has been much debate about the advantages and disadvantages of the jury system, the competence or lack thereof of jurors as fact-finders, and the uniformity or capriciousness of the justice they administer. The jury has been described by one author as an exciting and gallant experiment in the conduct of serious human affairs. Because they are fact-finders, juries are sometimes expected to perform a role similar to a lie detector, especially when presented with testimony from witnesses. A civil jury is typically made up of 6 to 12 persons. In a civil case, the role of the jury is to listen to the evidence presented at a trial, to decide whether the defendant injured the plaintiff or otherwise failed to fulfill a legal duty to the plaintiff, and to determine what the compensation or penalty should be. A criminal jury is usually made up of 12 members, though fewer may sit on cases involving lesser offenses. Criminal juries decide whether the defendant committed the crime as charged. In several southern states, the jury sets punishment, while in most states and at the federal level, it is set by the judge. Prior to 2020, under most states' laws, verdicts in criminal cases must be unanimous with the exception of Oregon and Louisiana. In Oregon, a 10-2 majority was required for conviction, except for capital crimes which require unanimous verdicts for guilty in any murder case. In Oregon, unlike any other state, a not-guilty verdict may be reached in any case, murder included, by a vote of 10-2 or 11-1. Louisiana also did not require unanimous juries in serious felony cases until passage of a state constitutional amendment going into effect for crimes committed on or after January 1, 2019. However, in Ramos v. Louisiana, decided in April 2020, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that felony convictions must be a unanimous vote from the jury, overturning Oregon's and Louisiana's prior allowances for split decisions. In civil cases, the law, or the agreement of the parties, may permit a non-unanimous verdict. A jury's deliberations are conducted in private, out of sight and hearing of the judge, litigants, witnesses, and others in the courtroom. Not every case is eligible for a jury trial. In the majority of U.S. states, there is no right to a jury trial in family law actions not involving a termination of parental rights, such as divorce and custody modifications. Only 11 states allow juries in any aspect of divorce litigation, Colorado, Georgia, Illinois, Louisiana, Maine, Nevada, New York, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas and Wisconsin. 
Most of these limit the right to a jury to try issues regarding grounds or entitlement for divorce only. Texas provides jury trial rights most broadly, including even the right to a jury trial on questions regarding child custody. However, anyone who is charged with a criminal offense, breach of contract or federal offense has a constitutional right to a trial by jury. Civil Trial Procedure The right to trial by jury in a civil case in federal court is addressed by the Seventh Amendment. Importantly, however, the Seventh Amendment does not guarantee a right to a civil jury trial in state courts, although most state constitutions guarantee such a right. The Seventh Amendment provides, in suits at common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States, than according to the rules of the common law. In Joseph Story's 1833 treatise Commentaries on the Constitution of the United States, he wrote, T is a most important and valuable amendment, and places upon the high ground of constitutional right the inestimable privilege of a trial by jury in civil cases, a privilege scarcely inferior to that in criminal cases, which is conceded by all to be essential to political and civil liberty. The Seventh Amendment does not guarantee or create any right to a jury trial, rather, it preserves the right to jury trial in the federal courts that existed in 1791 at common law. In this context, common law means the legal environment the United States inherited from England. In England in 1791, civil actions were divided into actions at law and actions in equity. Actions at law had a right to a jury, actions in equity did not. Federal Rules of Civil Procedure Rule 2 says here is one form of action, the civil action, which abolishes the legal-slash-equity distinction. Today, in actions that would have been at law in 1791, there is a right to a jury, in actions that would have been in equity in 1791, there is no right to a jury. However, Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 39C allows a court to use one at its discretion. To determine whether the action would have been legal or equitable in 1791, one must first look at the type of action and whether such an action was considered legal or equitable at that time. Next, the relief being sought must be examined. Monetary damages alone were purely a legal remedy, and thus entitled to a jury. Non-monetary remedies such as injunctions, rescission, and specific performance were all equitable remedies, and thus up to the judge's discretion, not a jury. In Beacon Theaters Incorporated v. Westover, 1959, the U.S. Supreme Court discussed the right to a jury, holding that when both equitable and legal claims are brought, the right to a jury trial still exists for the legal claim, which would be decided by a jury before the judge ruled on the equitable claim. There is not a United States constitutional right under the Seventh Amendment to a jury trial in state courts, but in practice, almost every state except Louisiana, which has a civil law legal tradition, permits jury trials in civil cases in state courts on substantially the same basis that they are allowed under the Seventh Amendment in federal court. The right to a jury trial in civil cases does not extend to the states, except when the state court is enforcing a federally created right, of which the right to trial by jury is a substantial part. The court determines the right to jury based on all claims by all parties involved. If the plaintiff brings only equitable claims but the defendant asserts counterclaims of law, the court grants a jury trial. In accordance with Beacon Theaters, the jury first determines the facts, then the judge enters judgment on the equitable claims. Following the English tradition, U.S. juries have usually been composed of 12 jurors, and the jury's verdict has usually been required to be unanimous. However, in many jurisdictions, the number of jurors is often reduced to a lesser number, such as 5 or 6, 
by legislative enactment, or by agreement of both sides. Some jurisdictions also permit a verdict to be returned despite the dissent of one, two, or three jurors. Waiver of Jury Trial The vast majority of U.S. criminal cases are not concluded with a jury verdict, but rather by plea bargain. Both prosecutors and defendants often have a strong interest in resolving the criminal case by negotiation resulting in a plea bargain. If the defendant waives a jury trial, a bench trial is held. For civil cases, a jury trial must be demanded within a certain period of time per Federal Rules of Civil Procedure 38. In United States federal courts, there is no absolute right to waive a jury trial. Per Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure 23a, only if the prosecution and the court consent may a defendant waive a jury trial for criminal cases. However, most states give the defendant the absolute right to waive a jury trial, and it has become commonplace to find such a waiver in routine contracts as a 2004 Wall Street Journal article states. For years, in an effort to avoid the slow-moving wheels of the U.S. judicial system, many American companies have forced their customers and employees to agree to settle disputes outside of the courts, through private arbitration. But the rising cost of arbitration proceedings has led some companies to decide they might be better off in the court system after all they don't have to tangle with juries. The new tactic let disputes go to court, but on the condition that they be heard only by a judge. The article goes on to claim the list includes residential leases, checking account agreements, auto loans and mortgage contracts. Companies that believe juries are biased toward plaintiffs hope this approach will boost their chances of winning in court. Critics say that unfairly denies citizens access to the full range of legal options guaranteed by the Constitution. In the years since this 2004 article, this practice has become pervasive in the U.S. and, especially in online agreements, it has become commonplace to include such waivers to trial by jury in everything from user agreements attached to software downloads to merely browsing a website. This practice, however, means that while such waivers may have legal force in one jurisdiction, in this case the United States, in the jurisdiction where a verdict is sought in the absence of jury trial, or indeed the presence of a defendant, or any legal representation in absentia, may well run directly counter to law in the jurisdiction, such as the United Kingdom, where the defendant resides, thus. The judgment on Regina v. Jones issued by the United Kingdom's Court of Appeals, Criminal Division, states, in part, in item 55, dot. The issue has to be determined by looking at the way in which the courts handled the problem under English criminal procedure and by deciding whether, in the result, the appellant can be said to have had a fair hearing. Jury trials, terminating parental rights. Only five of the 50 states require or permit jury trials for cases where the state is seeking to legally sever a parent-child relationship. Oklahoma, Texas, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. In Virginia, the jury is called an advisory jury. The remaining 46 jurisdictions have case law or statutes or local court rules or common practice that specifically prohibits a jury trial and termination of parental rights cases. The fate of a family is exclusively placed in the hands of a single judge when there is no jury trial. Dwight Mitchell, the founder of Family Preservation Foundation, a non-profit family reunification and family-first organization advocates for jury trials and termination of parental rights cases. Family preservation recognizes that the parent-slash-child relationship is a sacred connection that should not be severed without due cause, for the protection and safety of the child, and only after all means of addressing the problems of the family unit have been exhausted. Canada. Under Canadian law, a person has the constitutional right to a jury trial for all crimes punishable by five years of imprisonment or more. 
The Criminal Code also provides for the right to a jury trial for most indictable offenses, including those punishable by less than five years imprisonment, though the right is only constitutionally enshrined for those offenses punishable by five years imprisonment or more. Generally, it is the accused person who is entitled to elect whether their trial will proceed by judge alone or by judge and jury, however, for the most severe criminal offenses, murder, treason, intimidating parliament, inciting to mutiny, sedition, and piracy, trial by jury is mandatory unless the prosecution consents to trial by judge alone. Jury Panel Exhaustion Criminal Code Section 642-1, if a full jury and alternate jurors cannot be provided, the court may order the sheriff or other proper officer, at the request of the prosecutor, to summon without delay as many people as the court directs for the purpose of providing a full jury and alternate jurors. Section 642-2, jurors may be summoned under subsection, 1, by word of mouth, if necessary. Section 642-3, the names of the people who are summoned under this section shall be added to the general panel for the purposes of the trial, and the same proceedings with respect to calling, challenging, excusing and directing them shall apply to them. According to the case of R.V. Midvalley Tractor Sales Limited, 1995 Carswell and B313, there are limitations on the powers granted by Section 642. These powers are conferred specifically upon the judge, and the section does not confer a further discretion to delegate that power to others, such as the sheriff's officer, even with the consent of counsel. The court said that to hold otherwise would nullify the rights of the accused and the prosecution to object to a person being excused inappropriately and may also interfere with the rights of the parties to challenge for cause. The selection of an impartial jury is the basis of a fair trial. The Supreme Court of Canada also held in Bezarbas and Speck v. The Queen, 1982, that the right of an accused to be present in court during the whole of his trial includes the jury selection process. In Tran v. The Queen, 1994, it was held that an accused only has to show that they were excluded from a part of the trial that affected their vital interests, they do not have to demonstrate actual prejudice, just the potential for prejudice. As well, a valid waiver of such a right must be clear unequivocal and done with full knowledge of the rights that the procedure was enacted to protect, as well as the effect that the waiver will have on those rights. United Kingdom The United Kingdom consists of three separate legal jurisdictions, but there are some features common to all of them. In particular there is seldom anything like the U.S. voir dire system, jurors are usually just accepted without question. Controversially, in England there has been some screening in sensitive security cases, but the Scottish courts have firmly set themselves against any form of jury vetting. England and Wales In England and Wales, which have the same legal system, everyone accused of an offence which carries more than six months' imprisonment has a right to trial by jury. Minor, summary, criminal cases are heard without a jury in the magistrate's courts. Middle ranking, triable either way. Offenses may be tried by magistrates or the defendant may elect trial by jury in the Crown Court. Serious, indictable only, offenses, however, must be tried before a jury in the Crown Court. Juries sit in few civil cases, being restricted to false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, and civil fraud, unless ordered otherwise by a judge. Juries also sit in coroner's courts for more contentious inquests. All criminal juries consist of 12 jurors, those in a county court having 8 jurors and coroner's court juries having between 7 and 11 members. Jurors must be between 18 and 75 years of age, and are selected at random from the register of voters. In the past a unanimous verdict was required. This has been changed so that, if the jury fails to agree after a given period, 
at the discretion of the judge they may reach a verdict by a 10-2 majority. This was designed to make it more difficult for jury tampering to succeed. In 1999 the then Home Secretary Jack Straw introduced a controversial bill to limit the right to trial by jury. This became the Criminal Justice Act 2003, which sought to remove the right to trial by jury for cases involving jury tampering or complex fraud. The provision for trial without jury to circumvent jury tampering succeeded and came into force in 2007. The provision for complex fraud cases was defeated. Lord Goldsmith, the then Attorney General, then pressed forward with the Fraud, Trials Without a Jury, Bill in Parliament, which sought to abolish jury trials in major criminal fraud trials. The bill was subject to sharp criticism from both sides of the House of Commons before passing its second Commons reading in November 2006 but was defeated in the Lords in March 2007. The trial for the first serious offense to be tried without a jury for 350 years was allowed to go ahead in 2009. Three previous trials of the defendants had been halted because of jury tampering, and the Lord Chief Justice, Lord Judge, cited cost and the additional burden on the jurors as reasons to proceed without a jury. Previously in cases where jury tampering was a concern the jurors were sometimes closeted in a hotel for the duration of the trial. However, Liberty Director of Policy Isabella Sankey said that this is a dangerous precedent. The right to jury trial isn't just a hallowed principle but a practice that ensures that one class of people don't sit in judgment over another and the public have confidence in an open and representative justice system. The trial started in 2010, with the four defendants convicted on March 31, 2010 by Mr. Justice Treacy at the Old Bailey, Scotland. In Scots law the jury system has some similarities with England but some important differences, in particular, there are juries of 15 in criminal trials, with verdicts by simple majority. Northern Ireland In Northern Ireland, the role of the jury trial is roughly similar to England and Wales, except that jury trials have been replaced in cases of alleged terrorist offences by courts where the judge sits alone, known as Diploc courts. Diploc courts are common in Northern Ireland for crimes connected to terrorism. Diploc courts were created in the 1970s during the Troubles, to phase out Operation Demetrius' interments, and because of the argument that juries were intimidated, though this is disputed. The Diploc courts were shut in 2007, but between August 1, 2008 and July 31, 2009, 13 non-jury trials were held, down from 29 in the previous year, and 300 trials per year at their peak. India the first case decided by an English jury in India happened in Madras in 1665, for which Essentia Dawes, probably a British woman, was charged by a grand jury with the murder of her slave girl, and a petty jury, with six Englishmen and six Portuguese, found her not guilty. With the development of the East India Company empire in India, the jury system was implemented inside a dual system of courts, in presidency towns, Calcutta, Madras, Bombay. There were crown courts and in criminal cases juries had to judge British and European people, as a privilege, and in some cases Indian people, and in the territories outside the presidency towns, called Mofficial, there were company courts, composed with company officials, without jury to judge most of the cases implying indigenous people. After the Crown Government of India, Raj, adopted the Indian Penal Code, 1860, and the Indian Code of Criminal Procedure, 1861. Amended in 1872, 1882, 1898, the criminal jury was obligatory only in the high courts of the presidency towns, elsewhere, it was optional and rarely used. According sections 274 and 275 of the Code of Criminal Procedure, the jury was composed from three, for smaller offenses judged in session courts, to nine, 
for severe offenses judges in high courts, men, and when the accused were European or American, at least half of the jurors had to be European or American men. Jury trials were abolished in most Indian courts by the 1973 Code of Criminal Procedure. Nanavati case was not the last jury trial in India. West Bengal had jury trials as late as 1973. The jury found no place in the 1950 Indian Constitution, and it was ignored in many Indian states. The Law Commission recommended its abolition in 1958 in its 14th report. It has been claimed that the sensational acquittal in K.M. Nanavati v. State of Maharashtra case in 1959 also influenced the abolition. Jury trials were abolished in India in most courts except for matrimonial disputes of Parsis, which is still in force today. Parsis in India can legally use the jury system to decide divorces wherein randomly selected members called delegates from the community decide the fact of the matrimonial disputes of Parsis. Jury system for Parsi matrimonial dispute cases is a mix of Panchayat system and jury system found in U.S. etc. countries. The law which governs this is the Parsi Marriage and Divorce Act, 1936 as amended in 1988. A study by Elizabeth Kolsky argues that many perverse verdicts were delivered by white juries in trial of European British subjects charged with murder, assault, confinement of Indians. Ireland. In the Republic of Ireland, a common law jurisdiction, Jury trials are available for criminal cases before the circuit court, central criminal court and defamation cases, consisting of 12 jurors. Juries only decide questions of fact, they have no role in criminal sentencing in criminal cases or awarding damages in libel cases. It is not necessary that a jury be unanimous in its verdict. In civil cases, a verdict may be reached by a majority of nine of the 12 members. In a criminal case, a verdict need not be unanimous where there are not fewer than 11 jurors if 10 of them agree on a verdict after considering the case for a reasonable time. Juries are selected from a jury panel, which is picked at random by the county registrar from the electoral register. The principal statute regulating the selection, obligations and conduct of juries is the Juries Act 1976 as amended by the Civil Law, Miscellaneous Provisions, Act 2008, which scrapped the upper age limit of 70. Juries are not paid, nor do they receive travel expenses. They do receive lunch for the days that they are serving, however, for jurors in employment, their employer is required to pay them as if they were present at work. For certain terrorist and organized crime offenses the Director of Public Prosecutions may issue a certificate that the accused be tried by the Special Criminal Court composed of three judges instead of a jury, one from the District Court, Circuit Court and High Court. Russia. In the Judiciary of Russia. For serious crimes the accused has the option of a jury trial consisting of 12 jurors. The number of jury trials remains small, at about 600 per year, out of about 1 million trials. A juror must be 25 years old, legally competent, and without a criminal record. The 12 jurors are selected by the prosecution and defense from a list of 30 to 40 eligible candidates. The Constitution of Russia stipulates that, until the abolition of the death penalty, all defendants in a case that may result in a death sentence are entitled to a jury trial. Lawmakers are continuously chipping away at what types of criminal offenses merit a jury trial. They are similar to common law juries, and unlikely judges, in that they sit separately from the judges and decide questions of fact alone while the judge determines questions of law. They must return unanimous verdicts during the first three hours of deliberation, but may return majority verdicts after that, with six jurors being enough to acquit. They may also request that the judge show leniency in sentencing. Juries have granted acquittals in 15 to 20% of cases, 
compared with less than 1% in cases decided by judges. Juries may be dismissed and skeptical juries have been dismissed on the verge of verdicts, and acquittals are frequently overturned by higher courts. Trial by jury was first introduced in the Russian Empire as a result of the judicial reform of Alexander II in 1864, and abolished after the October Revolution in 1917. They were reintroduced in the Russian Federation in 1993, and extended to another 69 regions in 2003. Its reintroduction was opposed by the Prosecutor General, the Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.